Friendship requires a willingness to apologize. You'll never sustain friendship or relationships without asking for forgiveness. This message is the fifth in the series, Friends. The message is entitled, How to Say I'm Sorry. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. involved in a series of messages called Friends. We want to ask you to grab your Bibles and your teaching sheets. And I'm very excited about the message I'm going to share with you this weekend. It's a very, actually a simple message, but one that sometimes we really miss in our relationships. It can truly make the difference. So I want to talk to you this weekend about how to say, I'm sorry. How do you say, I'm sorry? Let me start by asking you a question. When was the last time you received an apology, a sincere apology from someone? You know, when I look back on my life, it's really rare that you get a really sincere apology from people, and perhaps even rarer sometimes that you and I give apologies to people. In fact, what should be commonplace in our relationships often is not very commonplace at all. And apologies for some folks, it's just absolutely like, I'd rather die than say I'm sorry. And oftentimes that's the attitude of pride that gets in the way. And what happens is over time, when we don't know how to say I'm sorry in relationships, it puts us in places of distance. It creates hardness of heart. It creates a really a big, big divide between individuals. And so we want to talk this weekend about how we learn to apologize, what makes a good apology, and how do we utilize that in relationships. I want to start by giving you a biblical example. I want to talk to you about King David. Many of you will know the story of David uh, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And after committing adultery with Bathsheba, of course, he had her husband killed, and a lot of terrible things happened. He's lying. He's trying to cover stuff up. He's not being transparent with God about his situation, and that goes on for some period of time. And he is not willing, at least initially, he is not willing to apologize to God. See, that's really what confession of sin is. Confession is when you and I go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I admit that I was wrong. We own up to a mistake. And at this particular time in David's life, he was not willing to own up fully to the mistake that he'd made. And for some period of time, he goes through a lot of guilt, a lot of internal shame, a lot of feelings of hardness on the inside. And in fact, he writes about this in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. Listen to David's description about himself, about his experience when he was not apologizing to God as he should have. When I kept silent about my sins, that is when I didn't apologize, when I held on to things that I really should have brought to God and gotten rid of, when I kept silent about my sins, my bones began to weaken because of my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand laid heavily on me, my strength shriveled in the summer heat. David said, as I'm going through this experience of life, of kind of holding stuff in, not getting things right with God, I felt as though my bones were weakening on the inside. It felt like that I was shriveling up internally. And by the way, that's what happens first and foremost in our relationship with God, that when we're not willing to go to God and talk to Him about the mistakes and failures of our life and to confess our sins to Him, it eats away at us on the inside. That guilt turns to shame and all kind of pain internally, and it causes problems for us emotionally and even psychologically. And guilt is designed to bring you back to God. And when you don't deal with it the right way, with openly confessing your sins to Him, it creates all these kind of issues for you. And David was experiencing that, the emotional, physical pain that happened to him when he was being stubborn and entrenched in his position and refusing to see or admit his failure. 
The same again is true for you and me, that when you and I hold on to stuff, when we get stubbornly entrenched in a situation of a relationship where we feel like something's happened and there's a, there's a breakage in the relationship and we're not willing to do our part, we're refusing to even perhaps see or in any way address the relationship failure, it really does make us sick on the inside. It certainly makes the relationship sick. But eventually something happened with David. Eventually David got to the place in his life that he had enough of this pain. And he made the decision that he was going to actually apologize to God so he could find forgiveness and reconciliation. One of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible is Psalm chapter 51. Because in Psalm 51 we find that David is actually confessing his sins to God. Listen to his words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time a mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb you taught me wisdom in that secret place cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones you have crushed rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity create in me a pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit in me do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. You might say, well, Pastor, why are you reading that passage when you're talking about apologies? Because I think this is one of the most classic, valuable apologies that we could ever study. It's a sincere, deep apology that David has to God where he takes complete ownership for his failure. And this particular apology, this confession, this stepping up and taking responsibility in a broken relationship provides a model for you and me. It actually gives us an example to follow. There are principles that you see here that work in relationships to bring about restoration. And it all starts with the willingness to say, I'm, so I'm sorry. It starts obviously in our relationship with God, saying I'm sorry to God, but also learning how to say those words to people that we need to speak them to in our life. So I want you to start with me by simply saying two words, I'm sorry. Let's say them together. I'm sorry. Those are powerful words that can bring about tremendous healing in a relationship. And I promise you, if you'll learn to say these words and practice saying them, they can restore marriages and restore friendships and make, it, make your life a whole lot better when it comes to the dimensions of every relationship you experience. So what I want to do for the next few moments, I want to teach you, uh, based upon some of the principles we see here in Psalm 51, uh, some, some understandings of, uh, practices of, or we might say just the steps along the way to a good apology. What makes an apology meaningful? And how do we actually go about doing it well? And so I'm going to share with you 12 things. I hope you'll take good notes this weekend and really focus upon them and begin to practice this in your life because it will change your life. The first thing that's necessary uh, to apologize effectively is to develop first and foremost sensitivity and awareness of your personal mistakes and failures. It all starts with you and me being sensitive to our need to apologize. 
So if you never think that you need to apologize, you'll never apologize. And that's where a lot of people are. They're always living their life looking at the faults and failures of other people and never taking time to assess the issues in their own life. And so I would ask you, do you realize, do you recognize when you need to say, I'm sorry? Is there some little register that goes off inside of you in the relationship, uh, in the relationships you have in life that in that moment when you say something, you shouldn't have said, or you, you respond in a way that you should not have responded. Is there's this little thing inside, this little warning bell that goes off and says to you, you know, you need to say, I'm sorry. And that's, that's something you cultivate. You cultivate by listening to the Spirit of God, and you cultivate by listening to your conscience within. You cultivate by learning to get feedback from the people around you as to the things that really you can do to improve and where you may need to say those simple words, I'm sorry. So become sensitive, become aware, and let God help you to have a more tender response to the people in your life. Number two, ask God to soften your heart and give you godly sorrow. So when you recognize that you have said something that you should not have said in a way you should not have said it or had an attitude that you should not have, have possessed or demonstrated in a relationship and you realize, you know what, I messed up here. Then you say, God, I, I want to have godly sorrow about this. Let me talk about godly sorrow just for a moment. Godly sorrow is that internal awareness or recognition of the significance of what you've done. It's, in other words, it's not just, eh, you don't just pass it off. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I realize what this did. I recognize the impact that it had on that person. Or I recognize the impact it had on that group of people. How it, how it affected them. And then at that moment, you're actually able to own it because you recognize the spiritual, the emotional aspect of what your actions, your words, your attitudes may have done. And so that's godly sorrow. The Bible says that godly sorrow is the thing you need that will lead you to repentance. And repentance is what causes you to change your life. So repentance is the changing of your thinking and the changing of your life. And you'll never experience that kind of change without having, first of all, this recognition and awareness of the mistakes you make and then a real godly sorrow about it. Think about a relationship situation right now in your life. Maybe there's something where you have a distance with a particular person. And maybe for a period of time you've been thinking about what they have done wrong, what mistakes they have made. And now just begin to think, well, what did I do? What mistakes did I make? How aware am I of the things that I need to be aware of? And then as I recognize that, God help me to understand the impact that my actions, my attitudes, my failures are having on the people around me. Give me godly sorrow. Keep my heart soft, Lord, and keep my heart tender. These are vital to being able to apologize effectively. If you don't recognize what you've done, and if you're not sorry, truly sorry about what you've done, the apology will fall flat. It will not have the kind of meaning and value and restorative power that otherwise it will. The third thing in the process of apology is to decide to take the responsibility for your failures in the relationship and to initiate reconciliation, to decide that you're going to take responsibility for the failures in the relationship, your failures. You can't take responsibility for someone else's, but for your failures, and then take the responsibility for the initiative for reconciliation. Let go of your pride and be willing to take the first step in healing the hurt and rebuilding the bridge, rebuilding the trust. 
And this is important. So I realize I've done something wrong. I've said something I should not have said. I, I'm, I'm sorry about it. And then I, I have to move to that next step of saying, okay, I'm going to own this. I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm not going to push this off on someone else. I'm going to take the responsibility for what I did in the relationship. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But also the responsibility for taking the initiative. You know, so often we sit around for for hours and days and weeks and sometimes years and, yes, sometimes even decades, waiting for someone who we feel owes us an apology to come and apologize to us. So we're sitting back in the passive mode. What you need to be in is in the proactive mode. Move beyond the passive to the proactive and say, what initiative can I take to rebuild the bridge, to bring healing and restoration? Even if the, if the other person is unresponsive, I am going to take the steps to do my part. Number four, ask God to show you the right time, the right place, and the right way to apologize. And I believe that there's a time and a place and a way to apologize. Sometimes something happens, and given the environment, the context, the time is just not right. Maybe there's a group of people around you said something, and it's just not the right time to address it. Or, or maybe it's just the wrong place, or maybe you go about it the wrong way. But you have to think through these things. And this is especially important if there's been a breach in a relationship that's existed for an extensive or some dimension of time. Because over time, all kind of attitudes and thoughts develop inside of all of us, inside of that other party as well. And so you have to think about, how am I going to approach this? Let me also say very quickly that sometimes the right time and the right way to say I'm sorry is to do it right now, okay? If you have the moment to fix it in the moment, do it then. Don't wait till some other time. If I offend my wife and realize that I'm not going to wait for five days and think about how to do it, I'm going to say, honey, I'm sorry right there in the moment. And so you have to learn the moments when it's necessary to say I'm sorry right there immediately in real time. And then uh, those situations where there may be just a little bit of thought and, and prayer and contemplation that's given to the time, the place, the way that you need to address this apology so it has the most impact and the most potential for reconciliation with the other person. So that's what it's all about. It's not about you getting something off your chest. It's about bringing healing to the other person and reconciliation to the relationship. Number five, very similar to what we just talked about, but let me add a couple of things here. Prayerfully prepare for and communicate your apology with the right words in the right way. Notice this, in the right words or with the right words and in the right way. I'm going to give you six ingredients in just a moment, but let me start by saying this. Never start an apology with an excuse. Don't start, well, I want to apologize, but you know, the real reason I did this was. Or don't start with a justification. Well, you know, you did this to me, and this is why I did this to you, but I'm sorry. That doesn't work very well. Don't start with uh, if. If I hurt you, well, duh, you, you did hurt them, okay? Don't start with, I'm sorry if you were hurt. These are all qualifications that set up defenses on the front end. And so when you want to apologize, you want to start with a full personal ownership of your failure, of your mistake, and then do it the right way with the right words. And here's some terms that will help you to understand how to actually frame the wording, the way you go about an apology. First of all, do it humbly. 
don't do it with an arrogance. Don't do it with a superiority. You know, I'm really better than you because I'm apologizing and you're all, you aren't. Uh, that's not the right way. But to approach it humbly, I, I really made a mistake here. And I recognize that I made a mistake. And you know, I'm really sorry. And do it sincerely. Again, that goes back to the godly sorrow. Be aware of the impact that your words or your actions have had on the other person. Do it kindly. Do it carefully. You know, be careful in what you say. Don't just pop off and just uh, not have a thoughtful process with, with an apology, especially one that uh, is relating to an offense that's been around for a period of time. Do it without blame or without excuse. We talked about that a moment ago. Do it with personal ownership and do it specifically. And I'll address that word specifically in a moment. But there is a way that you apologize, again, humbly and sincerely and kindly and carefully without blaming the other person, without excusing what you did or even trying to explain what you did on the front end. There may be a, a moment for explanation in the apology later, but certainly not on the front end. And take the ownership and just be specific about what you did that was wrong. Number six, ask directly for forgiveness. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me for. Let's practice saying that together. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me for. Let's try it again. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me for. Now you're saying, Pastor Dale, you're being very juvenile here. Well, really I'm not because a lot of folks really don't get this as adults. We don't realize that one of the most powerful things that we can do in any relationship is to step in when there's a breach, step in when there's a hurt, and use these words sincerely. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me for. Please forgive me for taking you for, 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 for granted. Please forgive me for the way I just said that. Please forgive me for failing to fill in the blank. Whatever, it could be a lot of different things and they happen in different ways in different relationships of our failures, the way they happen uh, in our interactions with people, the tone of voice, the attitudes that we have, all kinds of things. But the key is to be specific. See, forgiveness is always related to specificity. When you go to God and ask God for forgiveness, it's not just going to God and say, God, forgive me. I know somewhere I must have failed. Forgive me. No, it's God, please forgive me for I did this. And you own up to it. And so specificity in confession, specificity in apologies is what helps bring about the release of forgiveness. And they're only meaningful if they're tied to specific actions and attitudes. Here's number seven. Number seven, share what you've learned through your mistake or your failure and how you will use the experience to grow and become a better person. Now, this is powerful. When you're giving an apology to someone, it's not just, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me for. That's the, that's the beginning point of it. But also somewhere as a part of your apology, it's tremendously powerful, impactful, if you will say to the other person something like this. And you know, as I've thought about my failure and what I did, I realized this about myself and I learned this lesson and I've been thinking about how I can apply it in my life and I really want to become a better person. I'm, I'm grateful for my awareness of this so that it can help me be better. 
And this is a great way to take the initiative in showing how sincere you are, how much thought you placed into the situation, how much care you have. And really it's a reflection of your maturity because one of the greatest things that can ever happen in your life is not just to let mistakes go by you, but to learn from them. That's what great people do. They learn from the mistakes of life. They don't just simply let them pass them by. And so when you share this, you know, I learned something from this and I want to use this situation to become a better husband. I want to use this situation to become a better wife or a better friend. When you when you couch that in those terms, again, it needs to be sincere. Don't just say it for word's sake. But when you do that, it really does uh, bring about a, a greater sense of emphasis and impact in your apology, both for the other person as well as for you. Number eight, thank the person for listening and for forgiving. You know, when you share your heart with someone and you, you, you become vulnerable and admit that you've done something wrong, and it does require humility. Obviously, pr proud people can't do that or will not do that. But when you become vulnerable and humble before another person and they respond, they listen, and then when they extend forgiveness, that's a gift. See, forgiveness is a gift from other people. It's never an entitlement. It's never something we deserve. God doesn't forgive me because I'm entitled to it. God forgives me because he's good and gracious. And when other people forgive me, they don't forgive me because I'm entitled to forgiveness. Anytime you and I think that we're entitled to something, that's the wrong attitude. And so we're not entitled to someone's forgiveness, but when they forgive us, they've just given us a gift. A gift of wiping away the, the mistake that was made. A guilt of rebuilding a bridge that was broken. The gift of of being able to start fresh in a relationship. And so forgiveness is a gift. Always treasure the gift of forgiveness that someone gives to you. And certainly treasure the gift of forgiveness that God gives to you as well. A gift given, not an entitlement that is owed to you. And that creates gratitude in your heart. And you thank the person. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening as I shared my heart. And thank you so much for forgiving and I'll, I'll talk in a moment about people that may not forgive you and uh, how do you deal with that because there will be those that will not, that will withhold forgiveness from you and you have to learn how to respond the right way with that as well. Number nine, affirm your love and give your blessing. That's when you're asking for an apology, never conclude that apology without communicating your love and care for the person. You know what? Also, I thank you, but I also want you to know that I love you, I care about you, I care about our relationship, and I just want you to be blessed, and I want you to go away from this knowing that I really care about you, I want your life to be blessed. You end it on that positive note. You end it on that sense of not that you're still withholding something yourself against them and waiting for them to say, I'm sorry. See, that's how a lot of our apologies go. We, we may be willing to apologize and take the first step of saying, I'm sorry. But then here's the problem. We do it with the expectation that now we're sort of, I said, I'm sorry. Okay, how about you? What are you going to say? And we leave, the, we, we, we let the situation sort of hang over the, the, the conversation that we now want you to do what we just did. Well, that person may not be where you are. They may not feel like they did anything wrong. And any of those things, that's their, those are their issues. Those are not your issues. But what we do is we leave the conversation with an attitude of blessing, an attitude of affirmation, an attitude that we say, you know what, we're not here to get something from you in terms of what you owe us. We came because we owed you an apology, okay? Very important. Number 10, 
Give proper time and space that's needed for healing and for the restoration of trust. Remember that when you go and apologize to someone, depending upon what the, uh, what the infraction has been, what the failure has been on your part toward them, uh, it may be a very quick, oh, no problem, we're good to go, and everything's back to normal again, and hopefully most situations are like that. It's great when it happens that way. But sometimes if there's been a really deep divide and a really deep hurt that's occurred, a deep violation of trust, you can't expect that your one apology is going to make everything right and suddenly everything's going to be just absolutely hunky-dory for the rest of your life again, back in right order. No, you have to be willing to give some time, especially in situations where there's been a serious issue, a serious violation of trust. And so you're willing to give some time and space for the healing and for the restoration of that trust. You may say something like this, you know, I know that this thing has been deep, it's been hurtful and painful for you, and I realize that you may not even be ready to forgive me today as I'm having this conversation with you, and if you're not, that's okay. And it may take some time, even if you forgive me, for us to rebuild our relationship and rebuild our trust. But I want us to, I would love for us to be on that journey, and I want to do what I can do to, to, to rebuild your, your confidence in me and rebuild your trust in me. Vital thing, but you have to be willing sometimes just to give the time and space necessary. And sometimes it's not even a matter of, of days or weeks or years. It's just a matter of minutes. Just give somebody a few minutes to kind of respond because many times they don't, they, they're not where you are in terms of coming to them and they didn't perhaps sometimes even realize what your conversation was going to be. And so they need some time to be able to process it. And hopefully many times it'll be more instant and, and, and responsive in the moment, but there are mo moments and times when it does need to, a bit of reflection time and a bit of space. Number 11, respond the right way to a hesitant or a hostile response. Sometimes people are not going to forgive you. Let me just make that very clear. You can go and apologize to them until you're blue in the face. You can be as sincere as you want to be and as, as, you, as God has convicted you to be and, and be very, very honest and open about your ownership of the situation. And then people are going to look at you and just stare you down with a cold, hard stare and just in essence say, I'm not going to forgive you. They may not say it with those words, although sometimes they will, uh, but they may say it with their attitude, with the look that they give you. And if a person refuses to forgive you, what can you do about it? Think about that. For, you, can, you, can do, you can't do anything about that. There's not a single thing that you can do when you've apologized to another person and they've refused or failed to either recognize the sincerity of your apology or offer to you the gift of forgiveness. And oftentimes even people may remain hostile towards you and hard towards you. When that happens, don't blow up. Don't go back into something else that's going to make the relationship worse. What you do in those moments is just remember, I am only responsible for me. I cannot change anyone else. It is not my job to make this person do anything. It's not my job, again, to make them apologize. It's not my job to make them forgive me. It's not my job to make them love me again. All I can do is be the person that I need to be as honest and sincerely as I can, own up to my failures, and leave the response with the other party. And sometimes that's very difficult. Sometimes you have to bite your tongue a little bit because they're giving you a hostile response when you're just kind of opening your heart to them. That's okay. 
That's what love does. Love reaches out at that level. And so it's valuable to do that. And it's also, it's beneficial in your spiritual growth. It continues to promote in you the development of a spirit of humility. And then finally, number 12, last point we'll make today in our time together, is that when on the receiving end of an apology, be kind and gracious. You know, sometimes people are going to come to you and they're going to apologize to you. And so it's not just a matter of learning how to apologize to someone else. What do you do when somebody apologizes to you? How do you handle this in the right way? And so let me walk you through some things that you need to do when somebody comes to you and says, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Number one, just listen humbly. You know, don't get on Mr. become Mr. Superior or Miss Superior like, well, yeah, you, you did that to me, that kind of an attitude. Uh, don't think I'm better than them. You know, look, look at what you did to me. That that doesn't facilitate any kind of healing or restoration. But instead of approaching them like this, approach them like this. Let your heart be open to them. Listen humbly. Because how many times, think about this, how many times have you made a mistake in a relationship? And so never assume the superior position when someone is coming to you in vulnerability with a sense of humility and their apology towards you. And that's the second point. Remember your own relationship mistakes and failures. Even in that relationship, try to think about as they're sharing their part with you, think about, well, well maybe what, what did I do here? I haven't thought about it. Maybe I, maybe I did something that hurt them. And so let their apology prompt you to think about an apology that perhaps you need to offer to them. And so it becomes mutual, becomes bilateral instead of just of a unilateral thing. You're actually engaging with them in the conversation. You're not just letting them say it and say, okay, I forgive you, and then it's over with. No, there's a dialogue that begins to develop, and you own things in your own life. But remember your own relationship mistakes and failures. And then don't rub it in. Don't preach a message about the horribleness of their offense, about, uh, about how bad they treated you. That's not, that's not where. How many of you have been in an apology before and, and, and you tried to apologize to someone and as soon as you start apologizing, they go into, uh, into sermon mode. They go into the mode of trying to tell you, well, you shouldn't have done this. Boy, you really hurt me there and all this kind of stuff. You don't need to do that. You can offer your feelings and your advice and your help if they ask you to. In other words, they say, you know, can you tell me how I can better do this? Well, you can do that then, but again, do it humbly. But always resist the urge to pontificate, okay? If you don't understand that word, pontificate, go look it up. You'll see what it means. Don't pontificate on them. Don't become the teacher. Don't become the preacher in that moment. Don't become the one who is the moral expounder in that moment. No, you're not there to teach them lessons unless they ask you for input. And again, if, you, if they do, do it. Do it kindly and humbly, but otherwise, you're not there to, 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 to reinforce any lessons. The lessons are about them learning for themselves. And then number four, make it easy for people to apologize to you. Don't make it hard. Make it easy. Don't, 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 don't put up defenses and don't make it like, oh, what are you trying to tell me and you know, what is this all about and why are we having this conversation? No, make it easy. What would you like to share with me? You know, I'd love to hear from your heart. Make it as easy as possible for people to do this because it's hard enough to make an to, to extend an apology. It's always a benefit. I love it when I go to make an apology to someone and they make it easy for me to do that because it brings about re reconciliation a whole lot uh, uh, faster. Number five, own responsibility for any part you play in the problem. Again, don't try to push it off on them. Don't try to excuse. Don't say, well, I did this because. You can, if the moment is right, you may explain why you made a mistake and what you were thinking when you did it. 
uh, and some of the aspects of circumstances around it. That's okay to talk about, but never say, you know what, I did this because you did this to me. And again, don't go to the blame. Don't go to the pushing off of responsibility. Own it. I did this. I'm responsible. This is not about you. This is really about me. And then, finally, forgive and commit to reconciliation uh, in heart and in future actions. What you want to do is when someone's coming to you for an apology, you want to forgive them. Give them the gift that God gives you. That's a gift. And it's, it's up to you to give it or not. See, a gift is never can't be demanded. And so when someone is asking for an apology, you, you choose. You have this thing called forgiveness that is in you that you can do. You can choose to do this. And they're coming to you asking for forgiveness. And you can hold on to unforgiveness. Or you can give them the gift of forgiveness. But the choice is yours. And one of the greatest things that you will do when someone is extending an apology is to say, you know what? I forgive you. I extend to you the grace of forgiveness. In the same way that God extends his grace to me and forgives me, I forgive you you and I forgive you in heart and I forgive you as we move forward to the future whatever and wherever our relationship goes you will know that from this day forward I'm not holding this against you any longer what a tremendous gift you give to people when you forgive them friendships relationships marriages work relationships all these things there are going to be moments in all of our relationships where we mess up and what you do with the mess up is important because if you don't address your mess ups, it creates problems that extend down through time and create distance in the relationship. And so you and I need to be willing to apologize because you'll never sustain friendships, you'll never sustain relationships without learning how to ask for forgiveness. Remember the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me for. Say it with me again. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me for. And remember that those words, that phrase, will be some of the most powerful words you will ever say to the people in your life. So here's your assignment for this week. Are you ready? Your assignment this week is to go and practice apologizing. Just practice it. You might not even need to. Just practice on people. You don't even need to apologize to. You say, well, why do I need to do it? Because you need to learn to say I'm sorry. Just learning to make that a part of your vocabulary is valuable to you. It'll do you a world of good, and it certainly will do a world of good for your relationships. Husbands, go home today and apologize to your wife. Why? Well, I don't know what I did. Well, you did something, I promise you. And wives, go home today and apologize to your husbands. Well, I don't know what I did. Well, you've done something along the way. But find a moment to say, you know, I'm sorry. I really want to be a better person. And you'll see the power that apology will have in your life. I want to conclude by praying for us. And really, my prayer today is really... A prayer for humility. Because I, I found in my life and found in all the experiences that I've had over the years in relationships, some where I've had success and some I haven't been as successful. But I've learned that one of the things that always gets in the way of these kind of things is pride. Just our own arrogance, our unwillingness to be willing to move toward a person in humility and in reconciliation. Pride is a horrible thing. In fact, it's so so horrible, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so what we want to pray for is a spirit of humility, because that's what makes you willing to go to God 
and confession of your sins and go to others to seek apology and forgiveness uh, that you need in your life and to extend it to the people that need it, that it needs to be extended to. So would you join me as we pray together right now that God would give each one of us that spirit of humility. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for the word of God that teaches us the value, the power of, of reconciliation. And Lord, reconciliation often starts with simply uh, two words, I'm sorry. Declaring, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I made a mistake, please forgive me for it. Sometimes those words are hard to speak. And the reason they're hard to speak is because we're oftentimes prideful, Lord. We, we like to justify our positions, we like to rationalize what we've done, and we really like to blame other people, Lord. But I pray that today, in the name of Jesus, that you would help each one of us to develop a spirit of humility... So that when we've done wrong, when we've missed the mark with someone, that we do not hesitate for one moment to go to them and to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me for. Work that attitude and the discipline to say those words sincerely into every marriage, into every relationship, family relationship, every work relationship. Every friendship, Lord, we pray that we would live that way because we know, Lord, that if we live that way, it pleases you. We thank you for the work you'll do in us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior. The Redeemer. Thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. 
We pray that this message was a blessing to you.